So as I put everybody on notice about a week and a half ago that I was going to be expecting some input tonight yeah. on the class because enjoying the Bible or enjoying anything is a kind of a personal thing for each person. It's not a it's not something that it's not something that I can say this is how I enjoy it and so this is how you should enjoy it necessarily. Everybody has their own way of doing it. And one of them, Mitch is doing it right now. He checked to make sure his phone's on silent. That's a good way if you're going to be enjoying the Bible that you uh, get rid of distractions. Um, but what is it? What is enjoyment? Anybody? <coughs> Something you don't have to. Something you don't have to be told to do. That that for sure tells others that you enjoy it. But it's it's a process of taking pleasure or satisfaction in something. But an assign a sign of somebody enjoying something is you don't have to be told. Uh, such as a kid by a parent or someone else. But is that what a seasoned Christian should be doing? Is trying to look at the Bible to enjoy reading it for themselves? Or would it be more that you would be looking at how I can better serve others by reading it? Yes. Both. 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 Because there is one benefit of knowing what's in the Bible. What would that be? Understanding. Understanding. Understanding it. And why do you want to understand it? So you can share it with others. Go to heaven. Go to heaven. That's a biggie right there. Because if you under if you understand what's in the Bible, then we talked about. I think it was two weeks ago tonight. Why is the Bible important to us? It's our guidebook. It's our guidebook. Salvation. It's our lifeline. There's handouts up front here. It's our directions to our salvation. Veronica pointed out something really important on that night too. Key point. The Bible doesn't change. The Bible stays the same. The rules that God has set are the same. In Hebrews 13, 8 and 9, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, and today, and forever. Do not be carried away by various and strange teachings. It, you know, I think, too, since we're going to be judged by it, it would behoove all of us to, to understand what the expectations are for us. Exactly. Because at the end, we are going to be judged. We know, we know that. Uh, and we know that by reading the Bible, that we're going to be judged. And if we don't know what's in the Bible, then we're going to be living in darkness. We want to be part of the light, yes. Well, it's, it's our spiritual food. And just like with any other type of food, like we need it. It's nourishment. And... Um, and which you can't do without it, but it's also 
the more that you study it and the more you know it, the more comforting it is. It's comforting to know what your guidelines are. It's comforting to know what's expected of us. And it's comforting, you know, so to know how to help others and how to seek help and how to ask for help. And so I think that that's part of the enjoyment is the comfort that it gives us knowing what's expected of us. Like a small child, if they, if they know the guidelines and they know what's expected of them, they will exceed so much farther. They, 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 there's a comfort and a strength in that. That's the same thing with knowing the Bible. So we're, we're content with reading the Bible if we're studying it? Is that what you're saying? Well, if you're doing it for the right reasons, yes. <laughs> if you're doing it for the right reasons, upon, yes. No. It's, it's study. And what if we're not studying with the right motives? What if we're reading the Bible, but it's just to make a check mark on the list? Then what are we doing? You're cheating yourself for one thing. We're yeah. cheating ourselves. It's a dead end if we don't have the right devotion to the Bible. Jim? One thing we talked about last time was read as far as types of study. And it's interesting, you know, we have a lot of teachers here, but in adult learning, very difficult to get people to read but there's something within our brain that God created that the faith aspect of it spurns on things as far as curiosity learning for understanding wanting to read and understand more about what's going on um, there's a lot of things that go into it but there has to be like Mitch had said you know what's the end goal but it, it's hard for people because everybody has things and facts right at their fingertips and for Christians, it's a little bit different. And I think that's the faith aspect I was talking about, where you really do want to delve and understand better. You need to have teachers and ask questions. And it's not just check the box kind of thing. It's really important that we carefully look at the scriptures. Uh, and we keep an open mind like the Bereans did. Uh, their Bible study was not mandatory. It wasn't forced, but it was willing. And they saw things that they didn't agree with, but they kept an open mind until they saw that it could be proved one way or the other, and they saw that it could be proved right. And that's how they were complimented by Paul, uh, because they diligently searched the scriptures, and then they verified what he had taught was correct, and it was indeed the truth. And so then they humbly accepted his teachings. And that, that's the kind of attitude we need to have when we get into reading the Bible. So that we accept the truth. And if you're not sure about something, then how do you how do you find out if if you're reading the Bible and you go, I'm not sure about this, what's the avenue that you can take from there? And this is from Rick's class, the last one, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so on your own you can study more, you can meditate on it, but you can also get with some others. Somebody that may have a little bit more Bible knowledge to say, hey, I don't understand this. Can you explain what this means? Or help me to understand it? Rick? Yes. The best commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself. There is not a single passage in the Bible that stands alone. Somewhere in the immediate context, the remote context, or extended context, there's going to be backup passages. And so if you're left on your own and there's nobody, you know, like mixed around that you can you can get a decent answer from, Keep the reading. best way is to have a good concordance handy 
And for, for a self-study like that, with the old paper, I prefer Jung's analytic. Look up the words that are used in that passage that you're having problems with, and go to those other texts where that word is used, and you begin to start, as Ellen says, connecting the dots and putting the whole picture together. And there's cross-references in a lot of the Bibles too. Yes. That'll, that'll lead you to a verse that relates to it. All. And you know what? When we get to lesson eight, uh, let's see. Right now we're on lesson five. Some personal perspective. So in the next three or four weeks, there's a one that I'm going to teach. It's called Tools for Bible Study, which is going to tie in to some of the things Don's talking about here. So very practical stuff on what do you need in your library, so to speak, in your toolbox. So it could be electronic. It could be I like I like books myself, but it could be electronic. Uh, but tools on how to become a Bible student for the rest of your life. So that you can understand so something when you read it and you're going, oh, what does that mean? Right. Well, not all old guys like, like books necessarily. I like electronics. <laughs> <laughs> they just quit. But, you know, whatever works for you is, is the key. And that's what Mitch is going to cover the, the different tools that are available uh, so that you can find your way through. So, down to. Roman numeral two on your outline, your reasons to study the Bible. Why is it important to know God? <clears throat> He's our creator. As somebody already said, and I believe it was Mitch, he's going to judge us. And it's very important that we know what his set of rules is. Because if we want to get to, if we want to have eternal life with Him in heaven, then we have to know everything that's required of us. What are some ways, and I think some of them are right up here on the board, what are some ways to enjoy God? To enjoy Him and to get closer to Him. Meditate. Meditate. Uh, <clears throat> And what do we what what do we meditate on if we're studying the Bible? What do we want to what do we want to learn about God? We want to know his character. So that we know that if he says to do something, does it mean to do it? And I'm sure this has been covered in one of the earlier classes. But we want to know his principles. We want to know what promises has he made us? And who did he make those promises to? Who did Jesus die on the cross for? Who did he die on the cross for? Everybody. Everybody. Everybody he died for. All sinners. But if we're not studying his word, does his death on the cross help us? If we, if we don't get close to God if we don't learn about God and we don't become a Christian? Then does that death on the cross benefit us at all? No. Dan, I have something else to add, but I want to answer your question. <laughs> no. It doesn't benefit us. 
So it's very important to know his character, his principle, his promises. And we need to, in, as it says in the outline, and I think that's in your outline, rejoice in his love, care and forgiveness. Well, and Rick. Yes. Um, one of the ways that I find grounding and enjoyment in God is, yes, meditating in the scriptures, but uh, for me it's also in his creation. Like one of the really grounding things for me is to be near the ocean and to hear the ocean or it, pretty much any body of water. Uh, and I live in the desert, but it's okay. Heavy uh, like. <laughs> but it's it's being in God's creation and seeing what surrounds me and seeing how He takes care of it and what He's already created has been very is very comforting to me and sh and helps me love God more to enjoy Him and to enjoy what He's given us physically beyond just the spiritual guidance of the Bible. And that can work in the desert as well. It can. When you look at the beauty of the desert, it, it, or it the beauty of the mountains, or the ocean, or the rivers, or or even the artificial lakes. <laughs> so, but the thing is, is God's beauty is all around us. Or if you're just in a room full of people like that, how He's created all of us. Everything works on us. You know, it's it's amazing. How we didn't just appear, as some people want to say, or we evolved. Uh, people are amazing. You know, the human body, when you look at the sciences, it's made up of, of all of us. So, so that's what is important to, to know and to, as you say, meditate on. So why is it important to know God's Word? I've kind of covered that. Uh, we know that the scriptures were inspired by God. You can read that in Second Timothy. The scriptures also teach us the truth and show us what we need to do to be faithful. And in 1 John it says, This is the message we have heard from Him and announced to you that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive our, us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. So it's really important that we recognize what light is and know the difference between what the light is and what darkness is. We need to recognize that we we came, at least if we're Christian today, we came from darkness and we should be walking in the light now to stay faithful with Him. Who is called the Word? Christ. And why is that? Because God said so. Because God said so. It's like in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. The word was God. He existed from the beginning, correct. He is God and He created everything. Um, and He said that those that have seen Him, Jesus said those that have seen Him have seen who? Father. But Rick, that first sentence that you wrote, it's pretty powerful that Jesus is called the world because He is the ultimate communication from God. Like, I've never thought of it that way. He really communicated to God's love for us right. through he, his death. He, he came, literally he communicated it. Well, but he also came to earth bringing the word of God with him. Right. 
teaching us so that we know what we need to do. And Rick, just the thought, Teresa just said it, he still communicates for us. Because it says that he's our intercessor. So when we pray, he's constantly he's talking to the Father. Well, in E, the next one down there, why is it important to have direction in life? <clears throat> So we don't end up over in New Mexico. <laughs> Which would be what? Lost. It's, it's without direction in life, we're lost. There's there's no hope of anything. You know, there's there, then it's the person with the most toys doesn't really win though. Yes, sir. John 14, Thomas is having a problem when Jesus says, I'm the way. And where I go, you know the way. And he said, we don't know the way. But Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the, the only way to heaven. You know, the, the, the words that he brought, the example that he lived and showed us through the, the written word, you know, everything about him is pointing to heaven. He came from there, he's going there, and he's going to come again someday. And he has left words for us so that we can know how to get there by following his teachings and his example. And there's the direction we need in our lives right that's, there. That's all you need. Right. Jesus is the way. And, and how do we get that? Through Bible study. <clears throat> Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So it's very important that we don't lean on our own understanding or someone else's. We, we use Jesus as our focus in the Bible. Uh, Rick? Yes, sir. I was just thinking, uh, along with what Lisa was saying, I just want you to mention there that <clears throat> in Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 1, um, God told Jeremiah, He said, I knew you before I formed you in the womb. That's who we're dealing with. Has the power, because that has lots of abortion applications, doesn't it? But, you know, it's not, the, it's not the place for that. But, but before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And then He, he went on, he, he said, I want you to speak to these hard-headed people. And he said, but I'm just a youth. He said, I'm going to tell you what to say. Uh, don't let that youth part get in the way. You, you're going to be just fine. I'm paraphrasing there, of course. But uh, I, I just can't. When you look at the ocean, all that's wonderful. But when you think of, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. That, that's, that's the power of God. Which is it, it's not uncomprehensible. Okay, it, it's far above our pay grade. We can't even. Any commentaries about Psalm 139? So in Psalms 119, uh, verse 11, it says, Your word I have treasured in my heart, that I may not sin against you. That's what we need to be doing. Is What does it mean to treasure something? Hold it dear. Hold it dear. Hold it close. Hold on to it. Grasp it. Can I cite an example? Go for it. And go back and you look at Daniel, the chapter that has to do with handwriting on the wall. 
the the accusation that's made against Belshazzar is Belshazzar, to pronounce it correctly, is not the fact that he didn't follow the law of Moses. It's the fact that he did not follow or adhere to the written word of the kings of Babylon. Specifically, what Nebuchadnezzar said after he got done being a beast in the field and came back and wrote that whole dissertation acknowledging God and who he was and what he was capable of doing. That's the charge that Daniel is laying before the, the, the number three king. You did not pay attention to the words that you had been given. And the same thing is going to be against us when the two books are open. One of them is the book of life. The other one is the words that we have been given. And if we do not adhere to the words that we have been given in the scriptures that we have, then we're going to be in the same boat that Belshazzar was. We've been weighed in the balance and found warning. So, another word we could write when it comes to studying is we need to be really serious about it. Extremely. Because we're going to be judged by the words. And it may seem like it's a long time out from us right now, but we don't really know when that's going to happen. You, you might have thought that calculus test was wicked, but this the one that we're all facing up there. Huh? <laughs> So F says, how does the scriptures help us to find comfort and hope? I think we kind of covered it uh, early on. It's because it gives us encouragement. If we're doing what's right, we're learning what we need to do, then if we're doing those things, if we're living the Word of God, then we should have some comfort and hope on it. Stress for Frustration and worry can rob us of peace and contentment. Fortunately, studying the Bible and following God's Word will help us win over worry. We should not be worried about our daily things here on earth. In, in Matthew 6, 25-34, just paraphrasing, Jesus tells them that He takes care of all of the birds, all of the flowers, and they don't have to store up things that they need. Uh, our Father in Heaven will provide for us just like He does for them. But first, we should be seeking His kingdom and His righteousness, and then all those things will be provided. Do not worry about tomorrow. It says it will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Yes. There's a hand out up there. Yes. I think the, to go along with the comfort is that um, everybody likes to feel if you go to a class or you go to anything, you would like to go in feeling prepared for whatever's to come. And I think that we've talked about this, trials are going to come. Everyone in their life is going to have different trials. And you never know exactly which ones are going to be, um, that you're going to have. But the Word is our book. That, I mean, that, that is our study guide. That is our life guide. And especially for the people who really love to be prepared for things and get there early and, you know, with everything to do with life, just general jobs and school and everything, how much more so would you want 
to study and feel prepared. I mean, things are still going to come and they're going to hit you hard. And but I think that knowing that studying and understanding will help you be better prepared when those trials come. How much more would you want to study it? Exactly. Well said. On G there, what does it mean uh, that God's Word exposes our innermost thoughts and desires? What is, how does God, God's Word do that to us? By reading it. Well, first, I think if you look at the Bible and you look at what's recorded in the Bible, one of the things that gives testimony to the truth of the Bible is that the pure humanity that's represented in it. I think of David and Bathsheba. Or like, you, like there's there's nothing new under the sun that is now that is not was not already seen in here, and it's kind of a, I guess to me in some ways it shows God already knows where I'm going to fall and what like what trials and he's seen it all. He it, he doesn't he is not surprised by what trips me. He still loves me. He still sent Jesus to, to help me to, to die for my sins, to help me get through it. And I think sometimes reading the humanity in some of these stories um, really kind of, at least for me, is grounding of, oh, this isn't new. This, is, this was then, too. It's amazing how much stuff you read in the Bible that is not, you think about stuff in today's world, and then you read in the Bible and it's like that's been all this stuff's been going on forever and ever and ever. They may not have had cell phones, but they had other things. They don't have the technical <laughs> stuff. No. Uh, but Jesus was here on earth. He saw what temptations were all about. He saw everything that people were going through. As Mitch pointed out, God knew somebody knew all of us actually when we were in the womb. God knows what we're all going through. And yet, everything in the Bible is such good examples of bad behavior, if that's a way of saying it, so that we can be prepared when something like that comes along to us, so that we can go, "Whoa, I know that's wrong. Stay away from that. Keep me, you know, keep me out of these circumstances." Or maybe I've done that before. I need to repent of it. Or I used to do that before. I did repent. And even how to treat each other in relationships. In relationships. I, think, uh, I don't remember who said it, but if if we love, if everyone was in a relationship that felt love like Jesus loved them, that would like how powerful would that be? Yes. Mitch, you had a comment? No. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Just unusual. In. Where should we be laying up our treasures? In heaven. In uh, Matthew uh, 6, 19 through 24, I'll just paraphrase it for time. He told us to not lay up our treasures here on earth, but in heaven. Because wherever our treasure is, there will our heart will be also. And we cannot serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can only cannot serve God in money. You can only serve one master. So it's important that our treasures are in heaven. And we can't do that by doing things on this earth for ourselves. 
we have to be doing things on this earth for God. Why is it important not to be part of the world? Or did they just answer that? It's not our home. It's not our home. That's a good way of putting it. What are we what are we to be? We're to be separate from the world, right? We're to be we're here living in the world, but we're supposed to stay we're supposed to be sanctified and set apart for God. We're, we're supposed to be holy. And if we're living as the world it is living, are we sanctified? Are we, are we considered holy at all? If we're doing the things that the world does? Now there's certain things that you do that the world does, and that's like hold down a job or something. But if that's an ungodly type job, is that a good thing to do? No. It has to be, it needs to be something that God would approve of. And you're probably thinking, what are you talking about? How about a, say, serving alcohol at a bar? Would that be a good job for a Christian to hold down? No. When I was first converted many years ago, I was an undercover narc. And I used to have to go to bars as part of my work. And right after I got baptized, which was down in Tucson, I, I was studying with Hugh DeLong and I got baptized. And I started asking him, hey, wait a minute. Here's what I do in my work. And he goes, well, what do you think about it? He, he wouldn't say, Rick, that's wrong. He made me think and then we studied more. But uh, real quick after that first study lesson on me asking the question, I requested a transfer to a different unit because it's like, even though I'm not doing anything bad in the bar, I mean, I was trying to buy dope from crooks, but... <laughs> My conscience got to me yeah. real quick because only a few miles down the road was a country club church. And it's like, what if I'm in here and somebody from the church goes by and they see me either going in or coming out? What are they going to think about me and my character and what am I doing? Especially coming out with a bag of drugs. <laughs> Uh, but the, the thing is, is it was like, that was the wrong line of business to be doing at the time. So I got reassigned to a different type of squad and I didn't have to do that anymore. But that's the type of thing you got to think about it because you don't want to cause somebody else to stumble either. Because that was my fear after doing some studies. It's like, whoa. So, so we need to be in the world because that's where we live. But we need to be what to others? What kind of example do we need to be to others? Good examples. We need to be that shining, bright shining light. I almost forget the way you asked the question originally, but why do we need to be out of the world? I think it's... Why do we need to be not part of the world? Not part of the world, okay. If you look at the Old Testament, God continually called people out of nations they were on their way to destruction. Jesus came to call us out of a world which is on its way to destruction. If you're part of the world, you're heading right on into that destruction that's going to come at the end of time. 
and he has told us out of that not to be a part of it. And what's a good example of that? Sodom and Gomorrah. Right. Those that were part of the town got destroyed. They called it in there all along. Yep. Good point. And you know, even as bad as Sodom and Gomorrah was, and the Bible says it vexed Lot's righteous soul every day, the angels had to kick him out of town. He did not want to leave. But, you know, had its own way because it had become home. So, you know, you can, we can become anesthetized to all of this and comfortable in this, but it's still not our home. Right. Like an ark spending too much time in part. There you go. <laughs> so why is it important to obey His commandments? That's a section I there. Yes, sir. Well, Jesus says that uh, He showed His love to God by obeying uh, His Father's commandments. And that we show all love to God by obeying His commandments as well. That's very important. In Mark 29.31, uh, Jesus answered, and he says, The foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And then he went on and uh, Jesus said in John 13, 34 and 35, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And then, what's at the end of uh, Matthew 28, 18? Anybody know that scripture? Going to all the world and teach the gospel. Going to all the world and teach the gospel. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command, commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. There's a lot of key points in those verses, at least the way I look at it. Uh, the part I didn't read is he says, All authority has been given to me in the heaven and on earth. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. <coughs> We're directed to do what? Make it, uh, disciples of all nations. We're also directed to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Key point, baptism is important and it's in the way they're baptized there. And the word all, he says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Doesn't mean to just pick and choose what you want to do like we see throughout the world. There's so many different religions that don't pick up the Bible. They have their own handbook that somebody has written and that's what they follow. So it's really important that we follow what Jesus says. I think it's um, really, uh, it's got to be very uh, mindful to not fall in the trap of, you know, Oh well, you know, I love God, or I love, you know, I have love for God. Love is a very abstract term. It can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But uh, the Bible actually describes how Jesus loved His Father, and that's the marker that we should use as when it talks about to love God. That's it describes how that love is and how that love is manifested. 
good point. Yes, I, just one practical thing, uh, to me at least, maybe, maybe it'd be benefit to the class. Because maybe we don't love to study the Bible now. I've been there. I, I studied it because I felt like I needed to, not because I loved to or wanted to, and in some cases when I was younger. Um, there may be some even in the room that, well, you know, talk about loving study. I, I don't quite, I'm not there yet. That's okay. You can get there with time. So, so don't give up and quit because I, I have this gigantic love for studying like, like I should. I feel like I should do it, but I don't love it. It's okay. Just keep at it. You'll learn to love it as you get older, as time goes on. But don't give up or get frustrated because all these, you know, Bible minds and I'm not like that. Yeah, don't don't be intimidated. Is what Mitch is saying because there is, you know, a way to develop that passion for the Bible, and it and it does come easier as you get older. Especially, you know, the thing that we always do is invitations on Wednesday night about. And I'm not going to do one now. So we, we always do an invitation, and it's often said we don't know when the Lord's coming for us, and so we, we need to be ready. But when you're just a, a teenager or <coughs> 20s or 30s, it's hard to to imagine that life may not be here tomorrow. When you're 10 years past the 70 years of Psalm 90. You know, you start thinking just a wee bit more of it. Exactly. <laughs> we talk about now. Thank you. Thank you for all your participation. <laughs>